This is really the main parak, the main chapter of the Masechta that talks about the actual procedure of slaughtering and burning the Paraduma and creating the ashes from that cow and ultimately mixing it with the water that came from a natural spring, just like we mentioned briefly in the introduction to the Masechta. Seven days before they were planning on burning the cow, they would separate the koyen who will be the one to burn the cow and turn it into ashes. They would separate him from his house and from his wife. They would make sure that he wouldn't have relations with her for the entire week beforehand in order to avoid more possibilities of him becoming Tomei, impure, but as a result of his close marital connection with his wife. And he would go to the chamber which was in front of the Bira, which refers to an area on Harabais, which is the mountain on which the Beis HaMikdosh stood. So in the northeastern corner of this area, the significance of this exact position being the fact that a Paraduma, as we have seen, is called by the Torah a Chatos. So there's a certain level of comparison and equating to a Korban Chatos, one of the sacrifices and the law is that such a sacrifice needs to be slaughtered in the northern half of the Azara, the Beis Hamikdash courtyard. So because there's significance in the direction of north, that explains why it needs to be in the northeastern corner. The significance of east is because when the Koyen would go through the procedure of burning the Paraduma into ashes, part of that procedure involved sprinkling the blood in the direction of the eastern gate of the Beis Hamikdash. That's the significance in the direction of the east, and that explains why he would be placed specifically in the northeastern corner. That's where this chamber was, Uves Evan Hosanikres, and this chamber was called Base Evan, which literally means the house of stone, because all of the utensils that he used during that week were made of stone, which is a material that is not able to become Tome. This is an example of one of the many stringencies and sometimes extreme stringencies in the area of impurity and in avoiding becoming impure that surrounded the processing of the Paraduma. And as we explained in the introduction to the Masechta, one of the reasons for this is because the, they were particular about using somebody who was a Tavul Yoin. That means that he was Tomei that day. He had been to the Mikvah to be purified, but in order to be fully purified, he needs to wait until nightfall. And it is learned from Psukim that such a person is able to perform the procedure of the Para'aduma. However, there were certain heretics who believed that, that was not the case. And in order to show that the heretics were wrong, they wanted to make a point of specifically using a Tavulyoim, such a person who was Tomei and had been to the mikveh but was still waiting for the night time to arrive for him to be fully purified. They would specifically use such a person to fulfill the procedure of the Paraduma. However, there was a fear that this would lead people to be lenient in general with regards to the impurity surrounding the procedure of the Paraduma. But quite the opposite is true. The purity of the paradigm is extremely important. All of the purity of anybody who becomes Tommy from a dead body is dependent on this. And in, so there were many other stringencies that they introduced surrounding this procedure in order that people would not be lenient in terms of the impurity over here. So one example is that they would use only utensils that were not even able to become Tomei. That means that even if a source of impurity touched them, they wouldn't become Tomei. It's not a material that is relevant at all for it to become Tomei. 
even if this coin is pure, as far as we are aware, there is a small, small chance that perhaps once he became Tommy from a dead body without realizing it. And therefore, umazin olav kol they would sprinkle onto him from other poraduma ashes that they already had, kol on every single one of those seven days. Although the procedure of being purified by the paradoma ashes requires being sprinkled only twice, on earliest the third day since he became Tome, and then four days later on the seventh day, according to this opinion, there is a mitzvah to be purified as soon as possible. Now, we're unsure when this person became Tome, if at all, but he very much could have become Tome three days ago or earlier which would mean that already three days have passed since he became Tomei, and already from the first of the seven days, he is able to begin the procedure of being sprinkled with the ashes and becoming Tahar, becoming pure, and therefore already from the first day he begins, and four days later would be the fifth day, and in case he became Tomei two days ago, he also gets sprinkled on the second day, and then four days after that would be the sixth day, and in case he became Tomei the day before the seven days began, he was also sprinkled on the third day, and four days after that would be the seventh day. So it does emerge that on the fourth day, he actually would not be sprinkled with these ashes. So when the mission says on all seven days, it's not exactly literal. But the truth is, in general, he would begin his seven days on a Wednesday which meant that his fourth day fell on a Shabbos, and anyway, on Shabbos, he wouldn't be sprinkled with the ashes of the Parah Duma, because Midrabonon is forbidden to f- go through that procedure on Shabbos. So anyway, on the rest of the six days out of the seven, he would be sprinkled with the ashes of the Parah Duma, and the Mishnah adds, Mikol Shayusham, he would be sprinkled with all of the Parah Duma ashes that were there and they would preserve a third of the Paraduma ashes every time that they found a Paraduma. They would preserve a third of it in the Chel, which was an open area that surrounded the both the main courtyard, the Azara, and the outer courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. Now Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, They would only sprinkle the ashes of the previous cows, onto him on the third and seventh day of his seven-day period. Because according to Rebiesi, there is no particular care taken to become pure at the earliest opportunity. So even if it's true that he became Tomei three or more days ago, there is no problem with waiting until the third day and and starting the process of sprinkling the ashes on him. And they would do that on the third and seventh day and by then be pure. Now, there is another area in the Torah where we find the concept of somebody leaving his house and his wife for seven days in order to prepare and avoid impurity for the next seven days. And that is the Kohen Godel before Yom Kippur. The Kohen Godel had to spend the entire day of Yom Kippur performing the service, and he couldn't be Tomei. Rabbi Chanino, the deputy Kohen Godel, says, Al they would sprinkle the ashes of the Parah Duma for all of the seven days onto the Kohen who would burn the Parah Duma. Like we explained, it's not literal, it excludes the fourth day, the Al Shalim HaKippurim, whereas on the Kohen Godel who was separated for seven days before Yom Kippur, they would only sprinkle the ashes onto him on the third and seventh day, and not every single day. According to the first opinion of the Mishnah, even the Kohen Godol before Yom Kippur would be sprinkled every single day. 
the logic behind Rabbi Chaninus Ganakanim's differentiation is once again that the stringencies that we find with regards to the Parah Aduma are far greater and more extreme than anywhere else in the Torah. And here too is an example where they were more strict with regards to the purity of the Kohen who would prepare and carry out the procedure of the Parah Aduma. Mishnah Base, this mission is going to show further extreme stringencies that they went through in order to avoid any chance of impurity. The law is that a dead body who is buried in the ground, usually its impurity spreads directly below and directly above it forever. That having been said, if it reaches an oihel, which is essentially halachically defined as a hollow area of a tefach by a tefach by a tefach, has to have a height of a tefach with something on top of it. That roof on top of the hollow area is considered to be an oihel, and it would block the impurity from traveling beyond it. So the Mishnah says that there were courtyards in Yerushalayim that were built on top of natural rock. Rock cannot become tome, and if it is natural rock that has been there forever, then it's very unlikely that any dead body is buried there. Despite that, since there is a tiny chance that a dead body was buried underneath there, the Tachtehem Cholol underneath the courtyard was hollow. The Pnei Kever home because of the danger of there being a grave buried deep down, whose impurity would spread directly upwards and make anybody who is standing on top of that courtyard Tome. So in order to avoid that possibility, there was a hollow area, the height of a Tefach at least, on top of the rock, below the floor of the courtyard, so that the floor of the courtyard was considered to be a roof over the hollow area, and the impurity would not be able to travel above the floor to make anybody standing there tome. Now, what exactly was the purpose of these courtyards? The Mishnah continues to explain that Umavim Noshimu Boros, they would bring pregnant women, the Yoldus Shom, who would be there and give birth there in these courtyards, and they would raise their children in those courtyards, and the children themselves would never leave that area whilst they were still young. And this is pretty much a way of making absolutely 100% sure that the person would never become Tome. These children, it was guaranteed that they had never become Tome. And so they would use these children to collect the water from the spring that would be used for this new solution, which would be mixed with the Paradoma ashes. Now, the spring of water was not in the area of these courtyards. So how would they travel from the courtyards to the spring of water without the danger of traveling over an area that possibly has a dead body buried deep down underneath there? The Mishnah explains, Mavim Shavorim... They would bring big bulls. Now, the bulls have an, a hollow area underneath them of a tefach by a tefach at least, which means that the main body of the bull forms an oihel. So somebody who is on top of there, as long as he is not bending over the sides of the animal at all, if he's not reaching over, then the impurity would be blocked by the body of the animal. And even then, in order to be extra safe, Valgaben de Losais, there were doors resting horizontally on top of the, on the backs of the bulls, so that the children could sit on there 
and have no danger of being over the sides of the door, and the impurity would be blocked by the door, it wouldn't travel beyond there, and the children would be sitting on the back of these doors, and they were holding in their hands stone cups in order to fill up the water into those stone cups, and as we have seen, they specifically used stone because that is not able to become Tomei. They reached the Shiloyach Spring, which is the nearest natural spring to to the Harazesim. Yordu, they came down from these doors on top of on the back of the bulls, umilum, and they filled the cups up, the olu v'yoshalgabehen, and then they went back up onto the doors and sat on the back of the cow, on the back of the bull. Rabbi Yosi says that. Even this poses a danger that there is a dead body underneath the spring. The first opinion in the Mishnah says that it's unusual for people to manage to bury a dead body underneath there. However, Rabbi says that there is still a small possibility, and therefore, whilst the children were still in their original place on the back of these cows, on the back of these bulls, they would lower their cups using a rope and fill up the water that way. And they wouldn't get down from there at all, so that there would be no chance whatsoever of them becoming Tomei. Mishnah Gimel. After that, the bulls carried the children until Bola Harabais. They arrived at Harabais, which is the mountain on which the base Hamikdos stands. Yordu, we're going to understand simply that that means that they went down and they came off of the animals, off of the bulls. Because once they were on Harabais, there was no longer a concern that there would be a dead body buried underneath the ground there that anybody who would walk on top of it would become Tomei, because Harabais v'hazoros, the entire area of Harabais and the courtyards of the Beis HaMikdosh, Tachtehem Cholol, were hollow underneath them. Because of the concern of a grave being buried down deep underground, that is to say that all of the area was built on top of arches, and there was a hollow space which was underground, at least a tefach high, and that way, even if there was a dead, body, a dead body buried there, since there is a hollow space of a tefach, the top of that is considered to be an oihel. It's something that is a roof over a hollow area of a tefach, and that would block the impurity from travelling beyond it, higher up. So because there was no concern of becoming Tommy from a dead body in this entire area, the children were able to walk there. They no longer required the protection of the bodies of the bulls in order to prevent the impurity from travelling upwards. And now the Mishnah discusses how they would obtain the ashes of the previous cows that were used for the Parat Aduma. They've managed to collect the water from the Shiloach spring. All they need to do is add the ashes to there, and then sprinkle this solution onto the Koyen, who is going to be the one to carry out the main procedure of this Parat Aduma. And the main concern over here is that the child who is going to get the ashes is possibly a Zov, a Zov is a person who has a particular kind of impurity as a result of fluids exiting his male organ due to a particular disease. Be as it may, if that were the case, then the child would be Tomei, and as soon as he touches or even causes the ashes to move, even if he doesn't touch them, if he even causes them to move, he would make them impure. That's known as Heset. Tumas Heset is when a Zov causes something to move, and his impurity is transferred to that other item just by it being moved by the Zov. And because of this, the mission is going to describe a method in which the child is able to obtain the ashes without directly causing them to be moved. Uva Pesach at the entrance to the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, 
the outer courtyard, the Ezus Noshim, there was a stone jug prepared over there which contained the ashes of the previous Paradumas. They would bring a male sheep, a ram, and they would tie a rope in between its two horns. They would tie the other end of the rope to a wooden stick that wasn't able to hold anything, and therefore it's not able to become Tomei. And they would wrap the end of the rope around this stick a few times. The and they would throw the stick into the, uh, the, the 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 stone jug, the stone container that can that had the previous paradigm's ashes inside of it. And then umakes hazochar, somebody would hit the sheep, the male sheep, and the sheep would get shocked. So the nirtalachirov, it would jump back in fright, and in so doing, would end up pulling the stick out of the container of ashes, and the stick, which has the rope wrapped around it a few times, some ashes would be stuck in between the rope. And even though the Noitlomakadesh, one of the children now will take the ashes by hand and add it to the water, the spring water which they got from the Shiloach spring. So if indeed he is a Zov, then the ashes would become Tomei. But at least we are able to make sure that not all of the ashes will become Tomei. These ashes are going to be used for future Paradumas as well, to purify the Koen who will carry out the procedure of the future Paradumas. So with regards to taking the ashes out of that container, they were more concerned to avoid any slight tiny possibility of Tomar. And they were not as concerned with regards to this particular paradigma that they were going to carry out the procedure with. Now, how much ash needs to be added to the water? Kadeshi Royal Pneamayim, enough that even once it's been mixed together, it, some of the ashes can still be seen on the surface of the water. And this is learned from Psukim. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Rabbi Yossi says that this entire unusual procedure that the Mishnah has described is not the way that it was done, since anyway all of this is a stringency midra bonon in order to stress the importance of the purity surrounding the paraduma, because in one regard they were, so to speak, lenient, that they would make sure that the kohen who was carrying out the procedure was a tavul yoim, which means that he had become tome that day, he had just been to the mikveh to purify himself, but he's not yet fully pure, and according to the strict letter of the law, such a kohen is able to carry out the procedure... It's just that the heretics, that Tzidukim, understood that he was not able to carry out the procedure. So as we have explained earlier on, the Chachom instituted that they would use specifically a Tavul Yoim, somebody who had become Tomei that day and had been to the mikveh to carry out the procedure. But in order that people won't start to be lenient and lax with regards to the purity of the Paraduma, with regards to everything else, they were extremely stringent. But since at the end of the day, it is only a stringency midrabanon, Rabbi Yossi says that this is not a good idea to carry out the procedure in this way. Don't allow for space for the heretics to literally rebel, but it means to make fun and to mock this unusual, peculiar procedure in order to avoid possibly a mockery of the Chachomim, Elohu Noitlomakadesh, it is rather preferable that one of the children will directly take the ashes out of that container and add it to the water, since anyway, it's a very small concern and tiny possibility that the child is indeed Tomei.
This Mishnah adds a couple of additional stringencies that the Rabbanon instituted surrounding the procedure of the Pora Aduma, adding the ashes to the water. Firstly, they would not use and rely on the preparations for one Pora Aduma on behalf of a different Pora Aduma. That is to say, if in the middle of the procedure of the ashes of the Pora Aduma, adding them to the water, it became invalidated. But there was an alternative paraduma available, even though many of the preparations have already been done. The coin has been by himself for seven days. Perhaps they've obtained the water already. They would need to do that all again and not use that which was done for the first paraduma. An additional stringency is they're not able to rely and use a child because of the child's friend. The Mishnah is coming to say that if there were two children who grew up together in these courtyards as soon as they were born, however, only one of the children was there in order to use him for the procedure of the Paraduma. The other child was raised there only in order that the first child won't be alone. Since their intention in raising the second child over there was not for the sake of using him in order to carry out the procedure of the Paraduma, they would not be able to use that child for that purpose. Even though it's true that they were raised up in exactly an identical way. Continues the Mishnah, an additional extreme stringency is that all of the process that had to be done with the Koyen who carries out the procedure of the Paraduma that he needed to be by himself for seven days and be sprinkled with the Paraduma ashes via these children, the children themselves, according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, the children themselves had to be sprinkled with the ashes mixed with the water of the previous Paradumas. Even though it's pretty much virtually impossible that they have become Tommy from a dead body, there's a tiny concern that perhaps a bird picked up a piece of a dead body, a part of a dead body, and dropped it in that courtyard where they grew up. It's an entirely remote possibility, but since it is possible, they also need to be sprinkled with this solution. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yisaglili. Rabbi Akiva, however, Rabbi Akiva says, They did not need to be sprinkled with the solution mixed with the ashes of the previous Paradumas. Because to such an extent, Rabbi Akiva is not concerned. That having been said, even Rabbi Akiva agrees that the children do need to go to the mikveh in order to purify themselves in case they became tome from other things, such as small dead animals, which are sources of impurity when they die. But these are lighter forms of impurity that are removed just by going to the mikveh.